Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is Brian Satine, the CEO of Regora, to talk about the appraisal changes announced by Fannie Mae several weeks ago. Brian started Regora in 2017 as a senior at Boston University after successfully launching a real estate brokerage with his roommate. The Regora platform looks to streamline and automate the valuation process, and the company now works with some of the biggest lenders in the country. The changes from Fannie Mae mean we have a lot to talk about. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. I'm Diego Sanchez, Chief Operating Officer of HW Media, and I'm here today with Melinda Wilner, who is the Chief Operating Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Melinda, so good to chat with you today. Great to chat with you as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. With mortgage rates in the fives and sixes, depending on the product, 2023 and 2024 will likely be purchase markets. Why is client experience so important in a purchase market? Great question. Client experience is always important in any market, I would say. Being in the service business, it's the epitome of everything. So in this market, um, we know, we hope, rates will drop again one day. So there's a lot of things that are out there on the horizon. But just taking the client experience, like our world is so noisy these days. It's really become about the experience and how things are remembered to us. It's easy to go to a restaurant that's just middle of the road and like you don't even remember the name of it where you ate yesterday versus something that has high, high experience. So in this purchase environment with rates going to go down again one day, the likelihood that there's future refinances is very humongous. Not only for the borrower to have a great experience, and I think a purchase is even more exciting than a refinance. You're a little bit more hands-on with the borrower, helping them you know, buy maybe their first home or maybe their final home or something in the middle. So there's a lot of time spent with it. But even the experience for the realtors and everybody else involved is really big. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you again for having me. Appreciate it. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Excited to talk appraisals. Oh, I am so excited. Wow, this is such a hot topic. And especially because a couple of weeks ago, obviously, Fannie Mae made headlines uh, with their appraisal announcement, which basically expanded the use of appraisal waivers, now called value acceptance, and added some new options too. Can you walk us through what those what the changes were? Yeah. So essentially, you know, things started out obviously with just full appraisals for, you know, most or all transactions. Then over the years, um, both Fannie and Freddie, they added something called, you know, an appraisal waiver, which was essentially on a certain percentage of transactions. You, you didn't need to get anything. It would just be, you know, approved. Um, then re- more recently in the last year or so, they introduced both the, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie uh, introduced desktop appraisals, which was an option where essentially, you know, no one had to physically visit the property to gather any data or do an inspection. The appraiser could just do an appraisal at their desktop. Um, and now they've added, I guess, a fourth slash fifth option um, for Freddie, it's called a PDC. For Fannie, it's called value acceptance plus property data. They're they're rebranding the, the appraisal waiver and calling it value acceptance. Um, and so for the value acceptance plus property data, essentially, 
someone goes to the property, does a physical inspection, gathers a bunch of data points, takes a bunch of photos. You know, it has to be in a particular standard. You know, there's certain components of it. I'm sure we'll get into it. They submit that data to Fannie and Freddie, and then it gets accepted and, and you're good to go. You don't need an actual valuation component of it with like an appraisal. Um, you just need the actual data. And then the fifth option is, uh, let's say that the person, you know, originally you get the value acceptance plus property data. Someone goes to the property, does that inspection, but then there's something wrong with the property. Each GSC has their own, you know, specific component or the eligibility of the loan changes. That's going to upgrade to what's called a hybrid appraisal, where essentially the data and inspection information that was gathered that property is going to be sent to the appraiser who then does an appraisal at their desktop with the data that was collected by someone else. So that's a hybrid appraisal. So now we have five potential options of what can happen um, for Fannie, which is the value acceptance, value acceptance plus property data, value acceptance plus property data turning into a hybrid, desktop appraisal, or a full appraisal. Wow, it just got a lot more complicated, potentially. <laughs> but obviously, they're doing this for, for some good reasons, right? I mean, we have we have known that there needed to be some change in the appraisal space for a while. What Were you surprised at uh, what they chose to do? No, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. The the reason why, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a funny point, which is like, in an effort to simplify things, they are, you know, slightly more complicated up front, potentially. Um, but essentially, you know, there is just some larger macro industry level issues that weren't getting solved, which was this shortage of appraisers, where, you know, there was no new appraisers coming into the industry, which, you know, in times of high volume caused mismatch of supply and demand. And so, you know, if you look at like 2020, 2021, turn times for appraisals were like two to three weeks. Like they were a huge issue. Everyone was frustrated. Um, and that was because, you know, think of like Uber or Lyft. Like if there's not enough drivers, the, the ride times are going to be too slow. So the question from the GSE standpoint or, or the secondary market in general, and this is where I think appraisers get it wrong. You know, the appraisal isn't just to get the perfect, you know, value of the property. Um, the appraisal is there to protect the lender or the owner of the mortgage in case of foreclosure so that they can feel confident that if it unfortunately does go to foreclosure, they can recoup the value of the loan. So, you know, so basically the, the, the lender, the secondary market, they need to feel comfortable enough with the value, right? That's the point. Um, and so if you think of the spectrum of transactions, you know, if you have like a very cookie cutter Texas ranch with 20 other identical Texas ranches, you don't necessarily need to do a full-blown evaluation. You basically need to go confirm that the building is standing you know, there's not like, you know, mice running around everywhere. It's it's a livable condition. Although, and then, you know, with that, you feel pretty comfortable with the general value based off of the characteristics of the property. So what these new products allow for is almost like a load balancing where if, you know, the volume does get too crazy or on some percentage of transactions where the GSEs or secondary market feel like the risk is acceptable, we don't need that full-blown evaluation. We just need someone to go and confirm, you know, the actual property data and, and make sure that the property is, you know, in a, in a decent enough condition. So I think that it, it helps solve for the longer-term supply issue because the people doing this data collection don't need to be licensed appraisers. So there can be new blood with lower barriers to entry to fulfill these products. I can see how that's 
potentially a win for lenders, but I understand that appraisers might feel differently there, especially when it comes to that third-party data collection. That has been something that they've been alarmed at for a while. Um, and what I heard, at, especially at like Valuation Expo, other places like that where um, I heard lots of appraisers on panels was that they didn't want to be liable for whatever that um, that third party was doing. But in this case, it's actually the lenders who are liable, I believe. I mean, they, they skip right over the appraisal if it's going to be a true uh, value acceptance or what we call an appraisal waiver plus property data collection, correct? Um, yes and no. So in the, in the first example where it's just the value acceptance plus property data and yeah, someone goes and does the data collection and that's it. Yes, you're correct. The lender is the one who has to, you know, quality control that report, make sure that it, it aligns with the standards that, that they have to from Fannie or Freddie or whoever. However, if it upgrades to a hybrid appraisal, that's where the appraiser does have to validate and sign off on that data. So if it goes to a hybrid, the data collector sends that data to the appraiser, then the appraiser is doing an actual appraisal with that. So that's where there was some concern about the liability where appraisers were saying, you know, how can I trust this data, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, they've changed the, and, and you know, if you get really in the weeds of, of, of appraiser speak, you know, people are concerned with USPAP, which are the uniform standards of appraisal practice and, you know, various language within the actual forms themselves. Um, and so there's been changes to the forms to accommodate this stuff. And ultimately it's on the appraiser. The appraiser does not have to accept this. So if they take a look at the data and they say, I am un unwilling to pledge my appraiser's license on this, then they can simply reject it and the, the, the lender will have to order a full appraisal. So it is, it is at the discretion of the appraiser, but it's not like they're forced you know, to take these on, right? If there's, if there's any question about the data, then they can just reject it and, and the lender will order a full appraisal. So, um, so yeah, it, it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting, you know, I think that there's always a loud minority of appraisers that vocalize their opinion, but you know, so my, my platform Regora, we, we didn't do much of an intro, but we have like tens of thousands of appraisers on the platform. We did a survey around, you know, which appraisers would be interesting, interested in participating in these products. And the vast majority of them want to. So they're just the ones not speaking up. <laughs> right. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, when these actually go full blown live in April and see, you know, put, put your money where your mouth is, which appraisers are actually taking the orders, which ones are, are rejecting them. Really interesting. And interesting that you guys found that uh, most of them are accepting of that. Do we, have we figured out yet what professionally trained means when it comes to property data collectors, uh, collection? Do we, do we know like if the, if the lender and if the appraiser are both like, we're going to trust this data, how do you then vet the people who are doing, uh, the property data collection? And isn't that just like, how does that save the lender anything if there's still a whole nother panel of people they have to employ to do that? Yeah. So this, this is where you, you got into, you know, it's good. What, you know, how do the lender feel about it? How does the appraiser feel about it? And then, you know, these, these AMCs or these other third party entities, right? So um, lenders today manage their appraisal process in, in one of two ways. I can either manage a panel of appraisers directly, or I can use AMCs, appraisal management companies, or, or some mix of in between. And we don't need to go down that rabbit hole in terms of, you know, why some people pick something one or the other, right? But to your point, for a lender who manages their own panel of appraisers, this will be extremely difficult, if not impossible, 
for them to fulfill these new products without relying on some third party. If I'm a lender, I would have to recruit an alternative workforce, come up with a training program, run background checks on them, manage them from a vendor standpoint, right? It, it's, it, it's not an easy task. And so the, you know, very, very likely, if not inevitable direction will be that for these types of products, lenders will outsource them to third parties um, like AMCs or, or other types of companies. So, and there's, you know, a handful of providers that are already approved with the GSEs. We're actually going to be approved. Um, and so the quality of the training is, is honestly going to be dependent on which provider that you're working with. So, and there's no uniform standard, unfortunately. There are some things that are hardcore requirements like background checks and things like that. But you have some providers who are using real estate agents, some providers who are using insurance adjusters. But essentially, you know, there'll be some training program where, you know, they're going through and explaining how to do these inspections, how to use this particular app, um, what goes into it, you know, all that sort of stuff. Hopefully they're doing some testing. I know we are. Um, and, you know, have some sort of program to manage the quality of those people. And so the lenders won't be managing this directly, but they will have an oversight program with that third party. So the lenders are going to have to create policies where it's like, hey, you know, we need to have some way to validate that you are doing background checks, that you are running through XYZ. Um, and so that'll be like a, you know, vendor policy type thing between the lender and these third parties who are going to be doing this stuff on behalf of the lender. So if I'm a lender and I already use Regora, um, you know, if, if I'm already relying on you for, for some things and now this is added to, that seems like that would be easier than like I have an in-house panel and now I have to do this. It feels like that would be easier. We think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, right. the, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, Fanny didn't really lay out a lot of standards for what that property collector has to look like, but what they did do with this is really standardize the information they're looking for in order to give a value acceptance. Um, what are some of the things that are different now, um, you know, around that standardization? Yeah, the handful of things. So first of all, there's way more data points that would typically be associated with uh, inspection. So if I'm an appraiser, you know, I'm going doing an inspection, um, that will be, you know, probably less than, there's like hundreds of data points that are relevant for these new inspections. So you're filling out tons of different things. You're taking dozens and dozens of photos across the entire property. Um, you also have to generate a floor plan that's in, uh, well, for, for Fannie, at least ANSI standard, which has its own different characteristics in terms of how you measure gross living area and, and how you structure certain things. So, um, yeah, it's going to be way more standardized. And I think that is part of the whole point of it, right? They can take a much more data-oriented approach to evaluating these properties. Um, and, th and that's honestly what held back a lot of automated valuation models, AVMs. Like if you talk, if you, if you look at the history of the industry over the last five, 10 years, there was always this, the sky is falling from appraisers about AVMs. And um, in reality, AVMs you know, are only as good as the data that you feed them. I'm sure everyone has had this experience with Zillow or Redfin where it's wildly off. And that's because you need the actual granular detailed data to fill these things. So I think that was the goal of the GSEs is to get way more detailed and standardized information for these inspections 
so they can do, you know, greater insights with them and on an aggregated basis. It has always been amazing to me that floor the, the floor plan is one of the hardest things or uh, getting accurate square footage on a house is one of the hardest things to standardize. Yeah, I think actually Freddie Mac had a funny stat that was like, even amongst appraisers, you know, the gold standard of, of this stuff, when you send in multiple appraisers to the same property, the gross living area square footage can differ by like 20%, which is massive. So with these, you know, new standards that are often completed by an actual phone or software platform, um, it should hopefully get much more uniform. And that's, you know, helpful with the new advances in technology like LIDAR and the accessibility of that stuff within the phone. So it actually is, you know, things that recently are getting unlocked that, you know, weren't available three, four or five years ago. So um, who are you guys looking at to hire for these third, this third party data collection? Like you, you mentioned some people, you know, real estate agents seem to be a very, um, you know, easy thing to think about also inspectors, but you might say, you know, real estate, uh, you know, realtors or real estate agents might have skin in the game, right? They might want um, things to be valued higher than that. How do you decide who should be in this third party data collection? That's a really good point, and I'm glad that you brought that up to clarify. So one of the requirements is that the per, the individual who is doing the actual inspection, must, just like an appraiser with appraisal independence laws today, they cannot have any vested interest in the transaction. So it's not like the listing agent or the buy side agent or anyone like that can be involved in us, or, or even like an agent whose brother, you know, is the one selling the property, you know, th- in order to take this on, they have to have zero connection to the actual transaction. So that can be, you know, vetted in a, in a variety of ways. Um, so, but yeah, we're, we're to your point, looking at real estate agent, real estate brokers who have experience in this stuff. It's pretty, I think they are a great candidate for this stuff because they have experience in the space, you know, interesting stat, like the bottom 50% of real estate agents are doing, you know, only a handful of transactions per year. Um, and so, you know, it's usually a part-time gig sort of thing. They're looking for additional income. And yeah, helps them build up, you know, experience further in the space. So, um, but yes, you know, definitely you want to make sure you're avoiding the conflict of interest and there'll have to be various controls in place and kind of, you know, retroactive auditing on that stuff as well. It's a great point. I would think that if you are a real estate agent and you have a proficiency in this, it would just help your other business, right? Uh, Like when you're walking through a house, you can, um, you're going to notice things in a different way. You're going to... Uh, be able to educate your, you know, uh, customers in a different way. I would think after you've looked at a house through the lens of of that kind of property data collection, for sure. And then, and I forgot to answer your other part of the question, but I think it ties into this, which is like, how do we or some other third party decide which agent is going to be, you know, the one to do it? At Regora, we've built like various algorithms that look at, you know, it's like the Uber metaphor. You know, we we look at the proximity, the 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 driver score, how accurate they are, their quality. But to your point, you, you want to keep people in tight geographic areas because they build up, you know, expertise in that particular area. So if I'm a real estate agent and I've done 30 of these inspections in particular neighborhoods, yeah, for sure. The next time someone's going to be looking to understand or, or work with an agent, you're going to be one of the best candidates for that because you know the ins and outs of all these properties. You know, all of this is part of the appraisal modernization effort that the GSEs uh, want to undertake. And as you said, like it wasn't even possible to do some of this, say, five, 10 years ago. I mean, we just didn't have the kind of uh, tools we have now or the kind of algorithms we have, you know, the tech involved that helps get this done. From your perspective, um, what's next 
And how does this fit into the appraisal modernization that that they're trying to do? That's a good question. You know, the unfortunate nature of our industry is that it is extremely highly regulated and concentrated within a few parties. So even if there's the most amazing thing that gets announced tomorrow, you know, we would have to wait X number of years for it to get adoption amongst, you know, the GSEs, for example, or other. Well, this is a good point that we didn't talk about, but there are other secondary market investors who are not approving these products yet. Um, and so unfortunately, yeah, you know, the technology is kind of dependent on, on the adoption, but, um, I think probably some 3d stuff, you know, um, is kind of like the next, that's already some aspect of it, but I think, you know, there's, there's not necessarily kind of groundbreaking tech from that standpoint. Like the, the LIDAR is good. It's extremely accurate in terms of getting the measurements. Some people talk about like drones and things like that, but you know, I'm not very, uh, bullish on stuff like that. I think it's more going to be about like workflows. Like, you know, how can we get a 3D rendering with the floor plan of this stuff up front in the transaction and, and not just, you know, at the time of ordering and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, no, no, I don't think there'll be necessarily like breakthrough hardware or anything like that in, in the appraisal world. I think it's going to be continued refinement of the workflows, continued adoption improvements, and, you know, just kind of incrementally moving the needle forward. Very interesting. You know, if I'm a lender, it seems like we talked about the complexity. Um, and to your point, like, how do I know at the front end, how, what, how do I have a workflow that says this is the best option at the front end and, and get better at that? Like, do you feel like this is um, pretty confusing for them? Or do you feel like, no, this is where, you know, their tech partners, their AMCs come in and can really help? Uh, what do you think? No, it, it is definitely more complex in the beginning, for sure. And that's where you know, we, we think it's helpful to your point around kind of having a unified partner because let me just give you a couple of examples. As I said, some of the secondary market investors don't accept this stuff. Sometimes Freddie will say yes and Fannie will say no, or Fannie will say yes and Freddie will say no. So, you know, how do you know what product to order? Because obviously it's a very bad scenario if you order one of these products, but then you have to go back and reorder a full appraisal, you know, a week later, costs everyone more money, takes more time. So you want to do everything possible to avoid that scenario. Some lenders do know which investor they're going to sell to by the time that you place the appraisal order. And so you can set up various automation within, you know, the platforms to say, okay, if this field within the LOS system says this investor, we're going to order this type of product, right? Um, And and XYZ. But some lenders don't know who the investor is going to be until, you know, after the appraisal necessarily. And so that's where I think it'll be this interesting dynamic that we'll, we'll find out here in a couple of weeks, which is, you know, are lenders going to want to maintain optionality and just stick with full appraisals, you know, until it's more broadly accepted? Um, you know, does this help some investors actually edge out others? You know, if, if all things are the same from a pricing standpoint, but I don't need to get a full appraisal with this investor, but I do with the other, I'm like, is that going to make me lean, you know, that way. So these are all the things that we're going to have to probably wait and see how they play out. But to your point, you know, a lender has to kind of figure out what they're going to do now. Um, and, that, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's like, how are you going to pay for this? You know, what are you going to charge the borrower? Which parts of it are you going to pay or not? You know, there's a lot that goes into all of this. Well, and you know, another uh, big part of the push from the federal government right now is to um, stamp out appraisal bias right? Um, in, in different valuations. So one of the questions I have is like, when you think about um, the process to um, get a new appraisal, right, is already um, not 
not necessarily very transparent for um, some of the parties involved. How does this actually, does this make that easier? Or do you think that, you know, the standardization that they're asking for in the data could make it easier either to stamp out appraisal bias or at least identify it? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it helps a ton in the, the first part that you mentioned of, um, you know, because first of all, on, on like the value acceptance plus data collection, there, there isn't even any value, right? It's just it's just getting the data. So where it becomes more relevant is on maybe like these hybrid appraisals or a retroactive look, you know, like let's say that a lender or Fannie or whoever are going to do a retroactive sample analysis of like looking at an appraiser's reports and things. Yeah, to your point, because there's much more detailed and granular data about the actual property itself, there will be less room for subjectivity. And so if there are kind of clear offenders that go against the grain in terms of, you know, the facts, um, you know, it's either incompetence or bias, right? And, and either of those are not good, you know? And so they'll, they'll, so I think it'll help the most with kind of retroactive look backs um, versus may, maybe anything kind of on the spot. You know, back back to what you said about, you know, how, how many lenders are actually going to do this or uh, on what properties are they going to do this? One of the things we saw with desktop appraisals, you had a number of appraisers who were just like, I'm not, I'm not using it. I'm not doing it. Um, and there was just this lack of adoption, even though it was, um, you know, it was accepted. Do you feel like that's going to be the case here? No. And there, there's a couple actual logistical workflow reasons why I think that was happening, because on the desktop appraisals, they they still had a floor plan requirement. And so it kind of went against the whole pur- purpose of it where, you know, an appraiser couldn't do a desktop appraisal unless they or someone else went to the property and actually got the floor plan. So it kind of defeated the purpose of it. With, with this, you know, you don't actually need the appraiser at all, you know? Um, and so I think that we we've put out material and offered like consulting sessions uh, for, to help lenders, you know, through this stuff. And we've seen way more demand and interest for, for utilizing that. And, you know, pretty much everyone we've talked to has been like, yeah, we're going to be interested in using it. So um, I, I think that they'll, there'll be much more adoption on this compared to the desktop. Makes sense. I mean, if, if the lender gets to decide um, and it's better for the lender and easier for the lender, then, you know, you're really cutting out maybe some of the people who aren't as excited about um, about this product. So that totally makes sense to me. So Brian, I can see why lenders might be excited about this, but um, there there are some different kinds of risks with using this program, right? And with these changes, can you walk us through what those might be? Yeah, totally. So, you know, the good part about the full appraisal when you're selling to the GSEs is that you have this feedback mechanism called UCDP, where you know the, when you submit the appraisal to the to the GSEs, they give you feedback of what they think is wrong with it. They give you a score, and it helps guide the underwriting process for a lot of lenders out there, especially the ones who don't have you know dedicated appraisal underwriting departments and maybe aren't as more sophisticated from a technology standpoint. And so the the issue with these new products, not an issue, but just you know a hurdle that needs to be overcome, is that there's not a similar API like that, at least yet where once this data collection gets sent to the GSEs, they're not giving you, the lender, feedback on what they think is right or wrong. And so as a lender, you're still liable for the data integrity because some things, if they're relevant on the property, can actually change things. So for example, if the condition of the property is absolutely horrible, the Fannie will reject that and you know you will not allow you to sell the loan. So if the data collector says, yeah, the condition's great, 
but then the photos say something else, the lender is going to be the one who needs to identify that and proactively fix it by either ordering a new product, requesting revision, X, Y, Z. So the problem is a lot of these lenders have never underwritten these products. They don't have checklists. Maybe they're tech, they don't even have technology in place. Um, and so that'll be something that these lenders will have to overcome is what are they going to be using to underwrite these? How are they going to be doing it? You know, what's the training going to look like and all that sort of stuff. So we've helped bridge that gap a little bit. We've made like a template checklist, you know, that folks can use, but I think there'll definitely be a little bit of a, of a learning curve for folks. So, so technology does have a part to play in that though, right? Yes, for sure. Um, you know, another key difference, and this is like for the really in the weeds, you know, people of, of mortgage ops, like when you submit a, an appraisal, there comes with it XML data, which allows folks to extract the individual data points and, and actually run rules on it. So it's not like if you get an appraisal, you just have to manually look at it, right? With these new reports, there's no XML, um, but the data comes in like JSON format. So hopefully your technology provider can or is working on something that can extract the data from these reports and similarly run rules on them. Um, so that, you know, should be available um, for at least the kind of forward looking technology providers and things like that. And then the next frontier is probably stuff around photo recognition AI, where instead of a human underwriter having to say, hey, the data collector said that this condition was a C5 score. I look at the photos and I say, yeah, I, I agree with that or no, I don't. You have an AI that's trained on thousands of photos that says, hey, you know, based off of, you know, this, no, I think that that fails and it's actually a C4 rating or C6, that sort of thing. Um, and so that's probably the next frontier to continue to help automate the underwriting process for for folks on the appraisal side. That is fascinating. There are so many parts of this. You know, when um, when we reported on it, we were like, basically, we felt like Fanny was saying that the appraisal is no longer the default option, right? It's not like you have to apply for an appraisal waiver. It's like, it, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, sort of the doors are thrown wide open at this point. It's so funny. Um, you know, so we're like a venture capital backed company. A lot of my investors like aren't necessarily directly in the appraisal industry or from the mortgage industry. So like when that headline came out and that exact language that you said, like appraisals no longer the default people like, Oh my God, are you guys going to be okay? Like what's, you know, cause we're in the appraisal business. We're in the, we're in the valuation business. And I had to send a bunch of emails. It's like, no, this is good for us. You know, we've been planning this, you know, we, we've been actually working with the GSEs on this stuff. And, and, and same thing for the appraisers who are like, Oh my God, we're, you know, our days are numbered. Like, no, that's, that's not the case. These are going to be a small percentage of transactions to start, you know, they'll ramp up over time, but there's, there's a lot of complex things going on that still require a lot of, you know, handholding. And I think that that's been the the story for appraisals for valuations uh, for a while now is it's like, yes, we, we have the technology to do some of the very cookie cutter things, but to your point, there are plenty of properties that don't fit, you know, aren't going to be ones that you can do this on anyway. Exactly. Yeah. We, we expect this to be a narrow percentage of, of eligible properties that will, you know, probably grow over time, but, you know, will never be a majority of transactions necessarily. And even if you look at like during 2020, 2021, appraisal waivers got absolutely crazy and peaked at like 40, 50 percent. They're down to like 15 percent um, in, in kind of normal times. So, uh, you know, we, we expect these alternative products to be you know, in, in similar types of percentages. Well, Brian, it has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for bringing your knowledge and, and letting us know about all these changes and especially the ways that it's going to affect, uh, affect lenders and AMCs and appraisers. Thank you so much. 
calling all mortgage title and insurance leaders. With interest rates shutting down your refinance business, your relationship with your real estate partners is more important than ever. HW Media wants to help you deepen relationships and find success in this competitive purchase market by inviting you to attend Gathering of Eagles. Real Trends Gathering of Eagles is the real estate industry's premier event, bringing together leaders from the most successful brokerages in the country. For the first time ever, this closed event is open to our full audience. Check out the show notes to find out more or head over to realtrends.com to purchase your ticket today. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.